Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. As my good friend says, good morning, church. Do you know who my good friend is? There you go. <laughs> Dan Garland. Anybody remember him? The guy with the cackle. Well, my name is Noah, and I'm selling tickets. Uh, <clears throat> I have a few uh, uh, staterooms left on, on the ark. Uh, so if anybody wants to get yours before... We leave today. I'll be happy to give it to you at a good price. It's good to be with you this morning. I'm not happy that the pastor is sick. <laughs> In fact, when he called me last night at six o'clock, I uh, I said, "Well, now if you get up in the morning and you're feeling better, <laughs> you feel perfectly free to come on to church. <laughs> My feelings won't be hurt at all." <laughs> Uh, and nobody will be happier to see you when I get there in the morning than me, than I. Uh, so I, when I drove up this morning, there was his car. I thought, oh boy, you know, I'm off the hook. Uh, but Don drove his car to church this morning. So. Yours is in the shop. Oh, well, such, such is life. But anyway, he's probably watching. <laughs> If I know him, if not now, later, probably now. But uh, so when he called me, I thought, well, I prayed first. I'll, I'll really be honest. In it. And I don't say that just as a pious remark, pious sounding remark. I, I prayed first. I said, Lord, you know, what 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 do you want to do here? <laughs> uh, this hasn't taken you by surprise. It's taken me by surprise, but it hadn't taken you by surprise. What do you what do you want to do here? So I began to think, well, what's Chip doing? You know, well, we're in a sermon series. Well, what's the name of the series? I couldn't remember. Saved my life. <laughs> so thankfully, I don't live very far away. So, so I get in my car and I drive over here. And thankfully, Mike lets me have a key. And uh, so I come in and I get a bulletin to see what Chip was going to do. You know, it's in there. Uh, and uh, to see his outline, I looked at that, and, and I had a fleeting thought, you know, well, do I want to try to do that? And I looked at it and I thought, no, I, I, I'll just mess that up. Uh, <clears throat> I'll let him do that another time or, or whatever. Uh, but it did, did get me to thinking, and I see that the sermon series is, is missing pieces. And um, I thought, I'm still praying, Lord, you know, what do you want me to do? And I saw that he is preaching from... John's Gospel, chapter 13, which happens to be, if I had to have, I guess, three, four, five favorite passages, chapters in all of God's Word, John's, John 13 would be in that very, very small group. And uh, um, so I, have a, I had a message I've preached a good many times from John 13. Uh, I'll tell you the title of it at the end. And a disclaimer as well. I want to be fair to you this morning. I've preached this message here before. Ten years ago. This spring. So if you remember it when I start, you can get up and leave. Uh, 
I will understand, and I will take that as a compliment. <laughs> if you remembered my message from 10 years ago, you know, I must have really done a good job. Uh, but I thought, well, I'm probably safe <laughs> in, in, in doing that, that message again. So if you will, open your Bibles to John 13, and let's read the first several verses together, and then we'll talk about it together for, for a few minutes this morning. John 13 beginning at verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love, or it could read, he loved them to the very last. Verse 2, the evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot son of Simon, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was, go- and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, and took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Verse 6, he came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. <laughs> Typical Peter. And Jesus answered, A person who's had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you're clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. Pray with me for a moment, please. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for this opportunity to serve. Take this portion of your word now, Lord, and, and use it to speak to our hearts. Use me to share, share it and help me not to mess it up or get in the way of your spirit doing what he wants to do in our lives here in these few moments together. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word, for the power of your word to change us, to transform lives. Help us to claim that promise and may that happen here today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. <clears throat> missing pieces Chip was going to preach on what you what do you do when you're betrayed which is a little just past this passage in in John 13 uh, and was already indicated here and in what we've read that he knew Judas was going to betray him and uh, that didn't catch Jesus by surprise uh, at all but um, it occurs to me, and maybe only to me, if you disagree, that's perfectly fine, and you may be right, and I'm probably wrong. But it occurs to me that um, service with humility uh, is a missing piece in a lot of our world today. (laughs) That uh, we live in a world of such extremes, and it seems that we get... More and more and more that way. Uh, 
People are so given to saying whatever they think, whenever they think, and think it should be okay. (laughs) Uh, It really isn't. (laughs) We do a lot of harm. We cause a lot of hurt when we do those things. Um, Jesus said, I came not to be ministered to, but to minister. I came not to be served, but to serve. And think about that, if you will. Jesus is the eternal, unique, only begotten Son of God. (laughs) There's only one of Him. And He said, I came not to be served, but to but to serve. And I think the reason I like this passage in John is that it, it to me, is the most beautiful picture. And I know the cross is the ultimate in this, and of course that's coming up shortly. But to me, what happens here on this Thursday night, we think, before we call Good Friday, is the most beautiful picture that God has ever given us of, of what it means to serve with humility. Um, why do you do it? Well, John tells us, I think, in verse 1 of this passage, just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave the world, was going to the Father. And then the last sentence, having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. <clears throat> in my mind, that's the reason that's the chief reason that Jesus did what he did. What's our church motto? Loving God and and loving people, right? That's what John is saying here that Jesus did. He loved them to the very end. He showed them the full extent of his love. This is why he's about to do what he's about to do in this around the table setting here, as we'll talk about in just a minute. This is why in just less than 24 hours, he's going to go through an awful ordeal of, of torture and, and punishment and humiliation and then an, and an awful, awful, awful death. Why did he do it? Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. When you're motivated by love, you can do all kinds of things. You can do what seems to be the impossible. You can do what seems to be the unthinkable. When you're, when you're really motivated by love. And if we're honest, a lot of what we do, a lot of what I do, if I'm honest... Is not motivated by love. It's motivated by other things: greed, selfishness, all you know, self-preservation, all kinds of all kinds of things. But but the highest motivation is is love. There are all kinds of, of motives for for doing things in the world. Recognition and praise uh, are good, and we probably don't do enough of that in the church. Uh, but. I think they're really the wrong motive for service. We need to recognize people. We need to thank people. We need to praise people for, for doing a good job or for making an honest effort is, is what I'm trying to do here this morning. Uh, is, is, uh, but, but that's really not 
the best motivation for for service. Uh, but having served as a pastor for a long time, uh, I, I did encounter a few people along the way that you, I, it, it was impossible to thank enough. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever known anybody like that or not, but, uh, uh, but I have. Expectation of financial reward. Some folks do what they do, you know, because they get paid. You know, it's, it's going to pay off uh, either monetarily or, or, or some other way. Uh, but that, too, I think will bring disappointment ultimately. But love leads us to obedience, which leads us to do things we don't want to do and maybe otherwise wouldn't do. And sort of a theme of my message this morning is that you'll see at the end is that love never finds a place to quit. Uh, most parents understand that. I've seen a few parents who probably just <laughs> have reached their limit and, and just didn't feel like they could, they could love anymore. But, but most parents understand, understand that. Love doesn't find a place to quit. We can, we can serve like Jesus as he's called us to follow him to take up our cross daily and follow him. We can do that when we're, when we're motivated by love. Verse 2 says, The evening meal uh, was passed or was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. If we're going to serve, if we're going to minister and do it with humility, I want to tell you this morning, I don't want to don't want to burst your bubble or bust your bubble, as I would most often say. But you're going to have to do it in the presence of evil. The circumstances are never going to be all right. They're <laughs> never going to be perfectly good. <laughs> you're going to have to do it in spite of and in the face of things not being good. In fact, sometimes just downright pure evil. Jesus was betrayed by one very close to him, by a man that he considered a friend who had walked with him, who had followed him for three years, who'd laughed with him, who had, who had slept beside him, who was even trusted to carry the money for the group. <laughs> and yet Judas betrayed him. Conditions for service are never perfect. When you serve, you... It may well be in spite of opposition. It may be in the face of a lack of cooperation. And it may be also with what you think and what I think are a lack, is a lack of resources. But I think that I've found it to be true that God will provide the opportunities and the resources to do for me to do what he wants me to do. I may not think the resources are adequate. But that verse over in Genesis where it says God will provide, uh, I have really taken to heart in my life. I have to be reminded often, but I think it's true. And I'm here to tell you this morning that it's true that God does provide what I need. 
I can trust him to do that. He'll provide the opportunities. He'll provide the resources. And if I'm going to obey him, if I'm going to follow him, if I'm going to serve him, if I'm going to serve others, then I'm going to have to do it in the face of evil and opposition and trust that he will provide what I need. Moving on, verse verse 3 says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God, so he got up from the meal and uh, did what he was about to do. It's easy to just slide over that verse, I think, but let's not go past it too quickly. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. So, I would put it this way. When you know where you've come from and you know where you're going, you can do most anything. And that's what enabled Jesus to do what he did, not only around this table, but to do what he knew was ahead of him over the next several hours at the end of his earthly life and that body. It's important this morning, and, and perhaps this is the most important question out of this whole message is, is that do you know where you've come from and do you know where you're going? Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The gospel message is that God loves you. God created you. You're his creation. You are loved by him. You are loved by him to the extent that he gave his only son, Jesus, his perfect son, Jesus, to die for you and for me. That's who you are. In a sense, you've come from God. Oh, I know you have earthly parents. But you are God's creation. And God has a purpose for your life and he has a destination for you. Now, whether you'll make it to that destination or not, God lets you and I have a say-so in that. Jesus is now coming to the very end of his ministry And John can say with clarity and truthfulness that he knew that he had come from God and he knew he was returning to the Father. And when you're sure of those things, I was was saved. I became a Christian as as a boy of seven years old, seven years of age. I don't remember. I wish to my soul that I could remember more of the details of that evening. But I can't. I won't ever get them back. Heaven may reveal them to me or remind me of them one day. But I, I, I don't remember. I wish, I wish I could. I know what happened. I remember some of the things about it. I remember where I was. remember who was there. I don't remember how I felt. That's what I wish I could remember. <laughs> I don't remember. But, oh, I do remember. I do remember. A Sunday evening, several years later, when I was a young adult, married, with a child, on a Sunday night in my home church at that time, First Baptist Church, Edible, my pastor was preaching. I couldn't tell you what he preached. I do remember what the invitation was because music was always really more important to me than the sermon anyway. And uh, 
I do remember the invitation. <laughs> and I do remember that when that invitation was given, God, right then and there, made it perfectly clear to me what he wanted to do with my life. And I, I had been struggling with it for a long time. And in that evening, in that moment, I said, okay. And without having talked to Joyce, who was my wife, or anybody else, anybody about it, I left and I, my seat and I walked down that aisle and I threw my arms around my pastor and I told him what God wanted to do with my life. <clears throat> and you know, my life from the time that I was saved until that was literally filled with doubt and uncertainty. Oh, I love the Lord. I, I knew the Lord. I, I knew that he loved me. But, you know, in that moment, God brought some clarity to my life. Now, that's my experience. That's not your experience. Your experience will be unique. But what God did for me in that moment was he made it perfectly clear that, yes, you're mine, and this is what I want to do with you. And I said, okay. When you know something like that, when you know where you've come from and you know where you're going, what God wants to do with your life, and you're willing to say yes, then you can do most anything. <laughs> you can serve. With that kind of confidence, Jesus could do not only what he was about to do around the table, but he could do the unthinkable the next day. Verses 4 and 5 say that so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, nothing unusual about that event except who did it and the timing. The timing was wrong. This was not the time for washing feet. That was supposed to have been done when everybody came in the door. And normally that would have been done by a servant, by a slave. But there evidently wasn't one there, and nobody else stepped up or volunteered to do it. The kind of shoes they wore were sandals. They were open. You, you know, the streets were dusty and so forth. And, and so feet would have been dirty. And, and the way they ate, halfway reclining, around the table, uh, their feet were probably going to get on the furniture and so forth. And so it was customary. You, you washed people's feet because they were dirty. Nobody had done that. And nobody noticed that it had been undone, at least as far as we know, except Jesus. And he took the opportunity to seize upon the moment. And so he gets up from the table. And takes off his outer garment and takes a towel, wraps it around his waist, picks up the basin of water, gets down on his hands and knees. And I think that's why I like this story so much. Because here's the Son of God, the unique Son of God, crawling around on a dirty floor on his hands and knees with a towel wrapped around his waist, watching a bunch of ignorant guys' dirty feet. <laughs> And doing it because it needed to be done and nobody else thought to do it. To serve like Jesus means that you're going to do what nobody else wants to do or perhaps is willing to do. 
There are a lot of things that need to be done in this world that aren't pretty, uh, that aren't fancy, that never get recognized, but they need to get done. You know, those babies mess their diapers. (laughs) They need to be clean, don't they? When we get old and we go to the nursing homes, we lose control of our bodily functions and somebody has to, you know, take care of us and clean us up. Isn't it pretty? (laughs) You're willing to do what other people won't do because it's, you know, it's not glamorous. It's not pretty. Uh, But Jesus used the opportunity to teach an extremely valuable lesson. And in that process of doing that, of taking off his outer clothing and wrapping the towel around him and, and doing what he did, Jesus made himself vulnerable is the way that I would put it. Because to serve like him and to serve him, we have to lay aside all the, the stuff that tends to get in our way like the baggage of pretension. And we simply put ourselves at God's disposal and say, okay, you know, you use me any way you want to use me. And sometimes, as Jesus found out, that means you'll be mistreated. It means I may be mistreated. But if I'm willing to make myself vulnerable, then it's, then it's worth it. Because I'm confident of who it is who made me, who it is who saved me, who it is who called me. And I'm also confident of that, you know, in the end, I'm his. <laughs> I know, you know, how it turns out at the last. We make ourselves vulnerable. And finally... When we serve like Jesus, we suffer often from misunderstanding. And that's where we ended the scripture reading. He gets to Peter and uh, Peter gets it, but then he he doesn't get it. (laughs) Peter knows that there's something wrong with this picture. And so he stops Jesus and he said, Lord, you know, (laughs) you're not going to wash my feet. He knew that this, this arrangement was wrong. And Jesus surprised him and said, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, then you don't have any part of me. You're, you're not my follower. <laughs> and Peter immediately knew that he had messed up. That's the beautiful thing about Peter. <laughs> you know, he's always, he shoots from the hip. He shoots off his mouth before he thinks. Uh, but but then but when he when he when he knows he's messed up he 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 knows it right then, and so he goes to the opposite extreme. That's the way a pendulum does, goes to the opposite extreme and said, "Oh Lord, then not just my feet, but just wash me all over." And Jesus said, "No, Peter, <laughs> you still don't get it. You had a bath before you came. I just need to wash your feet. <laughs> that's all that's dirty. I need to clean up your feet." <clears throat> In following Jesus, you're often going to be misunderstood. 
Everybody's not going to appreciate what you're doing. Everybody's not going to understand it. But you do it anyway. You do it anyway. Two, uh, two images. Uh, often when I, I preach this sermon, I carry, a, I carry a towel with me into the pulpit, and I may have done that 10 years ago when I preached here. Uh, for those of you who remember, you'll, you'll remember that. Uh, so, uh, two, two things about a towel. You go to a hotel or motel and you walk out of your room in the morning and you see a cart sitting in the hallway. It's loaded with what? Supplies. Sheets and toilet paper and, you know, and towels, Right? Linens of all kinds. And when we see a towel, uh, when I go to the Y every morning, there's, there's a young lady there who's on staff, and one of the very first things she does <laughs> is, what does she do? She doesn't hand us the towel, but she goes around over the, entire, over the entire workout area in the gym, and she puts out the towels, clean towels, on all the workstations, on all the machines, and, and, and so on and so forth. And, and we associate towels with service often, don't we? Fair, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Another image for a towel is is in the from the boxing world. If uh, two boxers or two fighters are going are going at it, and one is getting really beaten up, but he's not been knocked out yet, but his trainer over in the corner realizes that, you know, that hey, this is a this is a lost cause. What does he do to signify that, hey, you know, we need to stop this and give up here? What does he do? He throws in the towel. That's a, an idiom, isn't it? An expression for us. We throw in the towel, signifying what? That we, that we quit. That we give up. Well, I think it's appropriate in, in this particular context of this scripture where Jesus is disrobing himself and then taking the towel that servant's towel and wrapping it around his waist and crawling around the table. He didn't quit until it was finished. And it wasn't finished until the next day. In fact, he said so, didn't he? It's finished. So my encouragement to you this morning is there's no place to quit in serving God and in serving others. We get tired. We get frustrated. We get disappointed. <laughs> we get misunderstood. We get all kinds of things. Occasionally we get thanked. <laughs> we may get rewarded temporarily. But regardless of any of those things, there's never any place to quit. And so the title of my message is Never Throw in the Towel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day you've given us. Thank you for the opportunity of serving you. And Lord, forgive us when we fail to do that. Lord, you know what you wanted to do with this message. And I just pray that you'll have your way now during this time of invitation and decision. 
Father, you know who's here. You know the needs of our hearts. I just pray that you'll take your word and, and or whatever else you want to take this morning. And may the spiritual needs be met that are here today. May we be obedient to you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand in a moment and sing a hymn of decision and invitation. And when we do, I want to encourage you to come. First of all, I want to encourage you to make that commitment in your heart. You may be discouraged now. But you know, I'm not going to quit. Decide that for yourself today. I don't know what you're facing. You may be here this morning and, and, uh, and you need Jesus Christ in your life. There's no need that you have that's greater than that. And I may not have painted a very pretty picture of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But you know what? It isn't always pretty <laughs> to follow Jesus. But I encourage you, I invite you to follow him anyway because it's worth it. It is worth it. You may be here this morning and you need a church home. You know you're a follower of Christ. You've given your life to him. You've committed your life to him. But God's leading you to make this your church home and your church family. We want to extend that invitation to you as well. Larry will be here. Josh may be here. Others will be here to counsel with you, to pray with you. You come this morning as God's spirit speaks to your heart. David, lead us, please.
enjoy today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.